0: It's the Persistent and Nasty podcast at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe 2023 series. The episodes will be released at various different times, so make sure that you have subscribed so you get notified when a new episode has dropped. We have some amazing guests coming up for you and I know that you won't want to miss them. They will be everything from circus performers to theatre makers to singers to spoken word poets and we can't wait to share all of them with you. Remember, if you are taking part in the Edinburgh Festival Fringe or you are just going for a visit, remember your rain jacket, your comfy shoes, and a pair of shorts because you never know the weather that you're going to get in Edinburgh. But what you are guaranteed is some incredible pieces of theatre. Enjoy the episode and remember, stay nasty. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty Podcast Edinburgh Festival Fringe Series 2023. I hope that you are all staying well, being kind to yourself and each other. Today I chat with Victoria Bianchi and Jess Brody about their new show, Help Yourself, which is on at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe 2023. All details for the show are in today's show notes and we discuss when they first met, how they became friends, their working process, how they worked when they weren't in the same city. Victoria talks about being a parent and how she navigates the festival. Uh, We talk about grief and how friendship is important and um, yeah, all of the things that are vital and important in their show and uh, how they take a look at it, uh, again, from a comedy, lighthearted perspective, but to really make you think. All the details are in the show notes of today's episode. Remember to like, download, subscribe, and review all the episodes as it really does make a huge difference and gets all of our guests heard by as many people as possible. And if you want to help us out, you can become a persistent pal or a nasty hero. Or you can give us the price of a cup of coffee. Whatever you are able to do, we are extremely grateful for. And that goes for everyone who is already a persistent pal or nasty hero or who has donated to us in the past. You help keep the podcast going, the coffee mornings going, the plot, the blog, the advocacy work. You are part of our persistent and nasty community and we can't thank you enough for for that. Again, all details for how you can support us are in the show notes of today's episode or you can visit our website www.persistentandnasty.co.uk and you'll find all the information there. You can also follow us on all social media. Again, I say all, we don't have TikTok. I need to get it. I know, I know, I know. But you can follow us on social media. Twitter at PersistentNasty Instagram at PersistentAndNasty Facebook PersistentAndNasty nasty. Send us an email to persistentandnasty at gmail.com. You can follow Louise and I on social media. Louise is at Ms. Louise Oliver on Twitter and Instagram, and I am at Elaine Stirrett on Twitter and at Elaine.stiditt on Instagram and Threads. Who's all on Threads? Come and join us. <laughs> For today's episode, I think ooh, maybe something sparkly. So we. Prosecco, um, maybe uh, I don't. Some iron brew, maybe any other form of a uh, soft drink, or uh, as we say in Scotland, juice or ginger, um, or uh, chai latte, or what, really whatever you want. A big glass of water, always good. Stay hydrated, or you know you can always just have a good old cup of tea, <laughs> sit back, relax and enjoy. Hello! Hi! Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Persistent and Nasty podcast.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: So um, I am joined today by uh, Jess Brody and is it Jess or Jessica? uh,
2: Well my full name is Jessica but I do I tend to go by Jess like friends call me Jess. So What would would you prefer today? I'll go with Jess. Jess is fine.
0: Excellent. I'm glad. I, I'm I consider you a friend
2: now after this brief
0: conversation. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Straight <laughs> in there. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, Victoria Bianchi um, and you are two uh Scottish creatives who have a show coming to the Edinburgh Festival Fringe 2023. We are going to talk about the show. Um, but first of all, our listeners and I would love to know a little potted history about you both. How did you well, first of all, how did you find each other? And how did you end up in this wonderful, sometimes tricky, uh, industry of ours? Well, so we, the stuff that we make
1: is kind of verging on like contemporary, some of it's even a bit performance arty, right? So we wouldn't, it's difficult to admit how we first met.
0: (laughs) Because now I want
1: to know how you first
0: met even more it's somewhat
1: I would say it's somewhat frowned upon mm. in the performance art world but yeah. we, we met through a mutual love of student musical theatre yes. Uh, yes listen I love a jazz hand I, lo- I um, do I love nothing it. better I, I just nothing better you know I, I it's never been kind of trained out of me and um, so we Um, met at the Glasgow Uni um, Sicilian Society which is um, where we perform such hits as Bugsy Malone Our House, Back
2: Back back to to the the 80s,
1: 80s, the musical Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is as incredible as it sounds Um, so (laughs) I was like 20 and Jess was 18 and she loved talking about how much older I was than her and like oh my god you're so old so I would say at first we didn't quite click. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah I remember
2: literally the first I I can Victoria was one of the first people that I met so I'm like 18 just started uni very fresh based very like very keen like really keen on the Bugsy shit it was Bugsy Malone. Bugsy Malone was the first production. Which is a
0: classic oh, absolutely but, Oh, absolutely. and I think 100%. Bugsy Malone isn't really talked about in a, a a particularly queer way but it absolutely should be because we have Jodie Foster absolutely. in it oh for a star God, absolutely. Absolutely. but the queerness absolutely. of Bugsy Malone is absolutely brilliant.
2: <laughs> 100% 100% so that was why I was there but I didn't know it. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I remember being like in the induction room, being all like, "Oh, I'm new. Obviously, I've just moved away from home." And Victoria had this like really bright red hair and a very distinctive style. Yeah, exactly, a bit like yours. Um, and I remember sort of sidling up to her and being like, "Hello," or whatever. I don't know. And then I literally remember Victoria go like, "I don't fucking want to talk to new people." (laughs) I, I, did. I remember you saying that because I was like okay and then I feel like we didn't speak for like a year, a year. <laughs> and that was probably why to be honest but eventually we made friends for whatever reason I can't even remember I, how we broke the ice eventually but
1: I think we're very um there are many ways in which we're very similar and when I saw Jess, I was like, oh, she she dresses kind of loud like I do. So um, she's definitely my enemy because she's like vying for my spot. But I think then we just, it was at a Halloween party and yeah. I was dressed as Jesus, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that year. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember what you were dressed as, but we just kind of, a year in, we sort of clicked. We made an alliance. We made an alliance. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then we we were pals for, well, I mean, what was it like six years yeah, or something definitely. after that, um, until before we started making a theatre together. Um, and we were, we just loved going out, getting hammered, go to the arches, you know that. Those were the main... Oh,
0: the arches. The oh,
1: arches. I know. I know. There's this picture yeah. of us at Octopussy... <laughs> Like from years ago, with like eyes big as saucers, and we're just it's, <laughs> so, it's uh, it was quite a time, quite a time. Oh, to be.
2: octopusy, what a night! I know, so nice. I know. There was the bouncy castle and that weird
1: like hot tub paddling pool, the hot
0: tub paddling pool, the weirdest thing.
1: I know, why, why, why? why? How many people must have pissed in that and oh. just dove right in? Like, it, absolutely. See, not.
0: I'm probably older than both of you, so I don't know if you'll remember, but the tunnel. used to um, have a foam party on gay night sometimes and it was like who is pissing in this foam what is in this foam I don't even know what's going on but it was utter joy
1: I've been been to gay night at the tunnel but I've I've never experienced the foam
0: foam, I foam used to be, quite a while ago
1: I used to be obsessed with the idea of a foam party
2: I think when you're like a teenager and you like think about a foam party you just think it would be the most fun thing in the world but I remember going to one I think it was at CC Blooms actually in Edinburgh and um the amount of foam that you breathed in was like I spent the entire night coughing and I was like this was not the like fun
0: it's not the vibe that you think it's going to be a foam party it it's really cool. not
1: horrible oh no no. I remember being in one when I was a teenager and like guys would just use it as an excuse to because your flip-flops couldn't really kind of grip against the foam so they'd just pull you across oh it's actually awful really yeah
0: I mean that's in a whole other level of conversation (laughs) that we could definitely go into (laughs) and it's so funny what you said about you know like uh, Jess being your nemesis and just that whole idea that especially when we're younger like society plays on this thing of like watch out for the up-and-coming young female who's going to steal your spot and then you like go well actually fuck you society and the patriarchy we're going to make a show together
1: yeah <laughs> that's exactly what now we're going to make performances yeah it's a tale all this time
0: yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, it's true um it was definitely because it was i she had this sparkly sparkly zebra jacket funny the thing that, that you remember about people from the first time and it's like oh she wants to be me but I cannot let her um and then we maybe we just mellowed
2: yeah in the year well the you past. did I think I was always quite keen to be your friend <laughs> <laughs> That's So
0: you were both what course were you doing at Glasgow uni
2: <laughs> well I was I was doing English English
1: literature and theatre studies um, Were well you not doing law? I did so many. <laughs> I, I started psychology with French and Spanish. I did that for three months, muy bien. um, And then I got a job with like a TIE touring company. So I was like, no, I don't want to do this. I want to be on stage. Um, so I played a bully in a cyberbullying show all around the North of England for a few months a real that was a career high for actually I did love it at the time it was great do
0: you know TIE has such a it's, it's one of those ones that's got an important place it's like you know it was a lot like, of, it's a lot of kids first experience of theater
1: yeah I mean I think mainly I did I found it difficult because I was like 20 and having to get up at 6 a.m
0: to drive to these schools oh, the calls are actually horrific it it's not even funny
1: program so um, but then I, after that I'd finished, I was like, oh no, I can't work in theatre, it's too scary. So then I went back and I started a law degree at Glasgow Uni and I stayed there for 10 days um, and then never went, didn't go back. I ended up like finishing my finishing my degree at UWS. Um, but yeah, I would like, my mum was like, please just stay and do a bit more of your law degree and I was living with my parents at the time so I'd like leave the house, wait until my mum had left and then go back in um, <laughs> pretending that I was at lectures. So I don't think Glasgow Uni was really the place for me but I did stay at the Musical Theatre Society. Even though you weren't a student there, quite a shocker. Yeah, it's very inclusive.
0: Mm. I love that it's very inclusive and open to people that are not that's fabulous um so obviously you once you realized that you were not uh Jess was not out to steal your space and uh you you formed your bond and then you've started creating work like can I talk talk to me about that and how the process is for both of you working together
2: well really it was a bit kind of incidental to begin with. Like we'd spoken a little bit about making something together at some point. And we had a sort of vague idea. I think it was, I think, did, did we have like a, a kind of notion
1: about what the show might be? It was, we were both living in London at the time and there was a call out for scratches for Camden People's Theatre for the Calm Down, Deer Festival. Um, And I think it was you, Jess, just saying, do you wanna make something? I really really don't think that we had any kind of idea as to what it would be or where it would go. It was just that there was this call out and we responded to it. And I'd done a couple of bits and pieces um, at CPT before. Um, And so we had this, we were in quite different points in our life at that time. Um, like I was married and I had a two-year-old two yeah, yeah. daughter kid. who's now almost nine. Um, and Jess was very kind of I just running around London, just very kind of free and stuff. And we talked a lot about how we were kind of looking at each other and, and, and envious of what the other had. So that's where the kind of seed for our first show came from, um, which is called I'll Have What She's Having. And our process for that show involved a lot of bananas. Um, we really, really, we were kind of, we wanted to play around a little bit and experiment and, and use improv and stuff, mm-hmm. um, which we did use as part of that, but I think our main thing really, that endured through that and into this show is words and writing like that's really our process yeah yeah.
2: we normally start with um like little scraps of things we've written whether that's like short monologues or like a little bit of dialogue and we sort of flesh out from there we kind of we did it to be honest it sort of started as uh um a tool of convenience because not long after we started working on that show, Victoria moved back up to Scotland. So we were kind of working remotely. So we'd sort of go off, we'd write our own sort of little bits and then we'd come back together and sort of consolidate it all. Um, so it, it, it kind of gave us that way of working and it's kind of stayed in a way, like the kind of bones of that are still kind of what we do. We still kind of write and then flesh out. Um, but obviously now we're in the same place, so it's a lot more
1: cohesive, I think, our process. Yeah, I think we always start with a very messy Google Doc. And the Google Docs so it's just like chuck stuff mm-hmm. in here, add a bit of dialogue, just have a stream of consciousness mm-hmm. that we then start to kind of form. And it's always kind of based... Uh, our shows have come from an autobiographical place so the last one was about where we were in our lives at that time um and really just trying to use that and open up questions about like why we're feeling the way we're feeling but also why for the most part like women in general find themselves in these situations as well Mm -hmm.
2: yeah we very much use our kind of own experience and also like our own relationship as a vehicle to explore larger questions and larger themes that's always been something that's been at the very kind of center of our work
0: yeah I mean it is really that kind of whole thing just as you're saying and about women there's almost something that we as women aren't almost allowed to be envious of each other and like where you are in your life because it's you know, just get on with it. You don't have time. You've got so much other stuff to do. You're caring for children or elderly parents or grandparents or siblings or friends. Like there's this constant, you're not allowed to have those moments. And also then there's that guilt of having the moments about being envious of someone else's life, which I think is a really fascinating thing. when actually it's just a really natural feeling to have.
2: Yeah, totally. And I think there's that, obviously that, Age-old thing of like, oh, can you have it all? And it's like you're constantly unsatisfied. And that was kind of what the show was was kind of exploring is that no matter what path you choose, quote unquote, there's always going to be these millions of other lives that like you could look at and feel like, oh well, I don't have that in my life. Like I want some more of that. And it's like an endless like cavern that just can swallow you whole, no matter how you know, like the crux of the show was like, we were projecting these sort of ideals to each other. What, but in reality, like, what were we feeling inside? Like, wasn't necessarily what we were presenting to each other and kind of like ensnaring each other kind of in this like, this like fantasy almost, like including each other in the fantasy of like, oh, like look how amazing my
1: life is. And I think also there's just, um, now there's so much rhetoric around self-acceptance, right? And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but I'm saying sometimes it's okay to be like, I fucking want that, you know? And I'm actually, I am a bit jealous and I don't love every single part of my life. You know, it's all like, all this self-love like be really happy with what you have
0: it's really healthy to acknowledge yeah. that right it's really healthy and like yeah you know just you t- touching on that kind of brings us around to your show with a kind of toxic positivity Yeah. um so help yourself which uh, is going to the festival but I don't, I don't want to jump too quickly onto that because I think you know what you're saying about how you have worked as well is really interesting. Like I think lots of people who work in partnerships will find that they're probably agreeing on the Google Doc thing. Oh, love a Google
1: Doc! Oh, it's the best. This isn't like it's not. We just want to say we're not
0: sponsored by Google. But if Google wants, to, Google are looking. For oh yeah. to sponsor <laughs> you <can help>
1: yourself, <laughs> we'll plug you. We will absolutely add in a plug. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 true. Like we find ourselves sometimes either in different cities or in different houses or sometimes in the same room, writing in this kind of improv way, both on a Google Doc, and mm. I can see Jess's little cursor is moving along. Mm. I get a bit of a kick out of that yeah. sometimes, you know? Um, It feels very uh, futuristic.
2: Yeah,
1: um, it's <laughs> and a bit organic, it's, isn't it? But... Yeah, it, it is like, it's a way of sort of using improv in writing, but also just being like, we don't really know what we're doing yet but we're going to slap a load of stuff in here and just kind of use it as a bit of a potter's wheel
0: and then once you've done all of that do you then take like a week of development where both of you are in the same room and you workshop those ideas or do you have you kind of got to a point where you can intuitively with each other go that's not going to work actually so that's out already
1: um I think with our last show there was much it was much more of a kind of fragmented format you know there was like bits of sketch bits of movement bits of kind of almost kind of poetic monologue type stuff and um, and you know I am um, I wish I had a stronger sense of how Help Yourself came together but what I do have is a diary where you have to write a couple of lines every day for five years and it was about a year or so ago that we started that we were working on this to do a work in progress at Hidden Door and I kind of had this sense that we went in with a script that was good to go but I don't actually think that we did Mm -hmm. I think we went in with something rough and we had all these ideas and we had all these words but it didn't have it was sort of like a big jelly puddle mm. of flesh without a skeleton. Right, <laughs> really like, horrible way. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's I'm- giving
0: me like a Doctor Who character. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's kind of what it was. It was, I-, I think that I would say we need to be in the room together to give it that form because mm. we need to be up in our feet. We need to be saying these words and kind of, there was definitely a day and I saw it and the reason I mentioned that diary is because I was you can see obviously all the previous years so looking at the stuff from last year there was a day when I came back and I was like we've definitely like cracked it today um so we always go into the rehearsal room with what we think is the script Mm. and it tends to find itself when we're actually physically together I would say I think once we start
2: working on it I can tell before we've even got to that bit if something's not gonna work I think it just feels like if we've written something that just doesn't quite click in with the rest of it I think we have to kind of try and like get it on its feet and then we're like even before you get to that I'm just it just feels wrong saying it or doing it you know it doesn't fit in
1: I mean I would say that Jess is much better at looking at stuff and going through it with a fine tooth comb and being like that's not quite right that's we can we can challenge this <laughs> my biggest flaw as a writer is like I write it and I'm like perfect I have absolutely <laughs> nailed this I
0: love that bill.
1: <laughs> it doesn't need any edits at all which is why I, which is why I love working with her because she's like the critical the kind of more dramaturgical um of the two of us um and I think that's why we we work really well together Mm -hmm. definitely
0: it will absolutely be and that like you know like I'm just over Zoom with you both and I can tell that kind of balance already and how that kind of works together and um, also being in a partnership with Louise it's like you know you can start to spot like other people's partnerships and like the things that were that are like what is the balance of that so it was really interesting um so help yourself is your show Fringe Festival oh we all froze oh,
2: there oh uh, we did <laughs> I think we're back now
0: <laughs> we are back that was weird so help yourself uh which is your show uh which you did as you said you kind of um was it a kind of work in progress at hidden door festival
2: last year yeah let's say yeah
0: yeah
1: i mean it was it was fairly it was an hour long and everything yeah but it was i would say a sort of early not embryonic version uh, i don't know what the stage is after embryo you should like know had a fetal baby. it's a
0: fetal version it was a fetal version i love it uh, jess is like you should know you had a baby, yeah,
1: like, <laughs> you, you've got a baby. you
0: literally did grow that so, you
1: know. she's so big now i've forgotten like <laughs> yes it was a fetal version
0: just on that like um victoria how do you find that balance of you know writing and motherhood and that caring responsibility
1: uh like it's a I mean, nightmare was the first word that came to mind when you when you said that. Do you know, honestly, this, this sounds, um, this is maybe a kind of weird thing to say, but I split from my daughter's dad when she was about two. And as much as that was a very difficult thing for everyone to go through, in a way, like in terms of career-wise and stuff, it actually made a lot of stuff a lot easier like he's a really great co-parent we share we kind of basically split the week relatively equally um because honestly I find that when when you're when you're for me when my daughter's at home it's that takes up so much brain space um so really it's got for me it's got to be a kind of separation of church and state you know and like when she's at her dad's house I have that brain space to just kind of to, to juggle all of that I suppose for some people that aren't in a similar situation they maybe have a place that they go to where they just but for me it's like when I know I've got to think about school pickups karate drop-offs guitar lessons it makes it very difficult to to focus on the creative stuff so because of my home situation, it does make it a little bit easier. It doesn't. I mean, also my family are incredible. So like, I literally texted them the other day and I was like, "Hello, can you all help me in August?" Um, because you can't just fuck off for a month, you know? Yeah. Fringe, fringe is amazing. It's not the most I suited agree, to like... being yeah. people that have catering responsibilities. Um, but I have like. Yeah. So I think having that, having my own space where I can just focus on that and also having a village that helps me with all of that. Cause otherwise I couldn't, I couldn't be doing it, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, thank you for being so honest about it. Cause I think it's also really important that anybody who's listening who has caring responsibilities of whatever kind mm-hmm. will probably feel very much felt unseen by that kind of those first sentences that you've said there and I know we've had other people on who have caring responsibilities who have kind of echoed what you've said about how difficult it is to split your brain when you are around all of that to then allow that creativity but also how important it is for you to have the creativity for you to be the best parent that you can be
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember during Covid, um, sitting one day and I was like, everything's kind of going okay, work's going okay, Um, My daughter's pretty happy, everything's fine. And then I felt like there was just this little, the only way I can describe it is like there was a little hole in my heart. I was like, hmm. And I realised it's because during Covid, I was so focused, as we all were, right, on just keeping the ship afloat. I was like, I've not made anything. I've not created anything for like a year. And it just you just don't feel kind of complete if that goes away.
0: Yeah, I think that's again thank you because I know I feel that myself. I know lots of people that feel that. So you know, just I think the more we kind of vocalize these things and say it out loud, the more it becomes a it just becomes freer to say it, and there's no hang ups of just saying it and going when I'm not doing it. It doesn't. I don't feel completely me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's like yeah. you're, not, you're not the only one. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so help yourself. Get back to your get back to your show of help yourself. Um, so tell the listeners what they can expect from help yourself.
2: Well, first of all, you can basically expect all of the answers to every kind of difficult situation you've ever been in your life. If you've ever felt sad, if you've ever felt uh, hurt if you've ever felt grief or anger or disappointment, um, come along to help yourself. And me and Victoria will teach you how to fix your life and also how to make everyone in your life feel better if you've got friends or family who are feeling down. So um, basically help yourself is a seminar, it's a self-help seminar, um, where we will take you through a very cohesive five-step plan to fixing your life, and everyone else is around you and uh and uh surprisingly it doesn't go so well for the for the hosts uh through throughout the uh the ceremony and it does start to go a little bit awry i'm sure you'll be very <laughs> surprised to know
0: just um, like cue you two with your own netflix special on self-help <laughs> in like two years like
1: hi <laughs> um
2: so basically it's it's set up like this help, this sort of self-help seminar um, and ultimately it breaks down and, and becomes more of a, um, a case study about how, how we are there for each other in times that aren't so great when you're not feeling like your best self, uh, when you are trying to be a good friend to someone, like what does it really mean to be there for someone in a crisis? And um, it kind of puts our friendship under the microscope. Um, it, it, it really centers around a certain interaction between like myself and Victoria when Victoria was going through something really hard and how I showed up for her in that moment when she was reaching out for help. And um, it's not just a show about what it's like to be in grief and what it's, and how it is to, to try and, you know, heal from that. It's all, It's really about how it is to be on the other side of that as a support, like as a friend, um, because I think it can throw up a lot of complicated feelings. We're so fixated on wanting to fix people when people are sad or feeling difficult emotions. Um, it's just a human, nature response I think to want to provide the solution to someone to make someone feel better and that isn't really possible in lots of like lots of circumstances and isn't even really what they need and so it's really a sort of examination of what that is and why people say oh it's okay not to be okay and there's all these buzzwords that fly around and all this toxic positivity as you say but what does that even really mean like it's okay not to be okay like you can spout that off but like how how does that actually look when it plays out in real life because most of the time it doesn't feel that okay not to be okay because everyone's trying to fix you the whole time or everyone's trying to give you these like platitudes or these words and um so it's really an exploration of that underneath the surface it's very light and fun. The show itself is is um quite high octane, quite high comedy, um with like I suppose these darker themes running through. It is a really fun show. It doesn't sound that fun when I have to practice, I, like all this like grave stuff. But the actual format and stuff, it's it's I feel like you you'll have a really good time if you come along. Um, it's funny, it's like fast paced, but there's also a sort of more profound emotional, emotional gut, punch. gut punch running uh running underneath the piece
1: yeah um because it, it, it was we started working on it during covid um and i think like at that time when i was like oh i not made anything and what could we kind of what could we make this about but um i think that all of the stuff that that jess has just spoken about felt and still feels very very present because it feels like as a society we went from like covid which kind of in some ways is still continuing to then all of the kind of economic and health effects it feels like we've just gone from crisis to crisis right and we're still supposed to just be holding it all together and we're good and we i I think that we don't not that we're necessarily making something that's like self-care and self-help is bullshit right that's not what we're saying but it's that notion that we always despite all of the chat around it's okay not to be okay it's just not and why do we always feel like we need to be holding it all together um and yeah like Jess said what it feels like to be the person in grief and what it feels like to be the person outside of that because I would say pretty much everyone has been at both of those people and if you're someone who's suffered loss and you're kind of surrounded by people who are saying you know just it's okay everything's fine now you know you kind of want somebody to just say it's okay for you to not be to to be a little bit unhappy right now but then when it flips around and you're the person supporting someone else you just revert back to how can I fix it yeah yeah
0: it's so true though Like, I think, as you say, like, everybody has been those two, or if they haven't been those two, they will at some point in their life experience those two different things. I mean, I know I'm, like, a total, I'll surround you with love, give you lots of hugs. What do you need to make it better? I want to take that away from you. Mm -hmm. But the older I get and the more work I do on myself, Uh, and uh, just in general, like, kind of go when it's me and I'm in those moments I need my space so I need to allow someone else to have the same and not try to fix it um so I think it's going to resonate with people really on a really deep level but also as you say you've got like that kind of light-hearted aspect of it um I think that's a quite, that.
1: uh, It's yeah I mean I think it, and it is a sort of I don't know, some people might say it's a Scottish thing. Maybe it's a sort of West, I don't know, I don't know. But that idea that you kind of make jokes, if you're at a funeral, everybody's making jokes for the most part, right? And I remember being at a funeral for a 30-year-old who died in really awful circumstances. And people were taking shots and making jokes the whole way through it, right? So I think that relationship between sadness and between loss, it's so tied with humour. And I think it's our it's our way and it's kind of how we relate to each other as well. So we're like, yeah, we're going to make a show that's about sad stuff and that is kind of about grief and sadness, but we're going to have, like, super brightly coloured suits and we're going to throw in some dance routines. Um, we're going to throw in... Do we have
0: jazz hands? That is the question.
1: Uh-huh. Throwing it
0: way back yes. to the Glasgow Uni days, do we have a jazz hand?
1: We've got a a kind of quasi jazz hat. See if you
0: can spot it (laughs) when (laughs) you come.
1: But I think, yeah, it would feel it. it, Um, I think for us personally as makers, it would feel we're drawn to a slightly lighter way of of exploring difficult things. Mm Um, And I have, you know, I have so much respect for people that really go in hard and make really kind of difficult, challenging work. I think that that's incredible. Um, But for us, we've always wanted our work to be quite accessible and not and and feel like you could take your granny along to it. Do you know what I mean? Um, Which is why we use humour a lot and why it is there's a lot of kind of brevity in the piece. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So what is it that you hope that people will feel, think when they leave um after seeing help yourself?
2: I think that I I would love people to leave feeling like ultimately hopeful um and having felt like they've had a really good time and maybe seen something a little different than what they're used to seeing. Um And I'd like them to sort of take away that they're not alone in feeling those difficult emotions or feeling, I think there's a big guilt thing if you feel challenged when you're trying to be there for someone as well. Um, I think that that's a bit taboo when you're kind of the support, you don't want to make it about yourself, but there is an element, I think, of like... um, I was thinking about this the other day. It's like, I like, like you were saying, I see my, I really pride myself on being the person who can like kind of fix things and come in with like the right, really right, insightful thing to say and like manage to take something away. When that doesn't work, I can sometimes take that slightly personally, which isn't fair. See if like someone's gone through, for example, a breakup with a person who I think is bad for that person. And I've like, I'm there for them. I've like got like, I've, I've got all the right things to say. I've like really psychoanalyzed them, their ex and like how they're better off without them. I've had a great conversation with them and then they are still like missing them or like finding it difficult. I think it can be a challenge when you kind of you, you almost turn the lens back in on yourself and you're like, I'm doing this wrong. I'm obviously not sufficient enough to make this person feel better. And it's obviously absolutely nothing to do with you. Like it's 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 ludicrous to even put yourself, like center yourself in that way. But again, I think it's really difficult to like um, resist those feelings. So I would really like people to leave feeling like, oh, I feel like there may have been something Inside me that I've not identified, but I could see that play out and recognize myself on the stage, and I think that's that's really why I make work. I want people to see themselves reflected back, or to try and put um, a definition on something that feels kind of indefinable or like difficult to pin down.
1: Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I would like people to firstly think that is the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and over and above that I suppose just feeling maybe a bit further forward on the journey that we're all on to kind of understand that the entire spectrum of human emotion is okay and that it's it really oh this sounds so cliche but that it really is okay not to be okay sometimes and that it really is okay to just accept sadness and if we can sort of move people's thoughts even a tiny bit forward in that way because I think making the show has definitely made me a bit more a little bit more accepting of that so if we can at least even start those conversations we'd be happy.
0: yeah amazing um and let everybody know where they can come and see you
1: we are very excited to be performing at Summer Hall, um, this fringe, um, which, uh, and we're on at four o'clock. It's like our favorite fringe venue, really. Mm-hmm. So we're really excited about that. So we're at 4 p.m. in the
0: demonstration, demonstration room.
1: room. Demonstration room. Room. I'm like, please, God, l- I really hope Jess has remembered this. <laughs>
0: Demonstra- okay, I've got I, I do have you if you if you <laughs> oh, yes, I've got it I've got it. We're
1: in the demonstration room at Summer Hall every day at 4 pm.
0: Help yourself. Except the 14th and the 21st. Yeah. When when we will be asleep. When you will de- most definitely be asleep. And is this both of your first festival as performers doing a full run? <laughs>
2: no,
1: we did the first show in 2018 yeah so we were at assembly in 2018 which was also an incredible venue to perform at yeah, to be fair it was so great. we've been really lucky
2: yeah it was great but so we're, we're aware of how nattering it is so we're just like trying to prepare but it feels really weird we we're saying that because we don't start rehearsals for this until a couple of weeks for a couple of weeks so it feels like kind of still feels like this abstract thing in the sort of and this, this. It's,
0: in, it's in the ether just like hanging That's over weird. you like
1: oh. <laughs> yeah it feels weird although fortunately our last show was on really early in the day and um, four
0: o'clock's a wonderful time Great oh, isn't slot,
1: it? right? We are so happy with it. We think it's like ideal. The last time we were trying to fly our people to come to this show that was 14 plus and people were out with their two-year-olds looking for them. and we were like, oh, no. So we're really pleased to be on at four. It's a great slot.
0: Mm-hmm. Four o'clock is a great slot. That's like, you know, you've just got everybody after they've had like afternoon shows and a wee bit of lunch before they've got evening shows. Lovely. Ideal. <laughs> ideal. Lovely. Go in, see it, then go and have a really expensive pint in summer hall uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um now before we finish up um we ask a question at the end of the podcast and um so we're called persistent and nasty uh basically from two kind of quotes in political history about happened to be both american actually um Nevertheless, she persisted about Elizabeth Warren and then the reclaiming of words um, when the previous president of the United States called Hillary Clinton a nasty woman for daring to give him facts in 2016 when uh, he was they were running against each other. Um, so we want to you know really reclaim those words that are used against women: bitch, money, bossy, all nasty all of that. Um, so uh, Jess Brody and Victoria Bianchi, what does the phrase persistent and nasty mean to you?
1: Um, well, I was thinking about this and I'm quite short, right? So when I'm often in social situations Yay! Like, or if I'm at like a pub or whatever, I sort of like to, I, I find myself indignant that people aren't making space for me. So as I've gotten older, I used to sort of just be at the back. And now as I've gotten older, I'm much more with the elbows and much more making sure that people in a slightly, ever so slightly violent way, (laughs) know that I'm there and I want to get to where I'm trying to go to. And that even though I'm like smaller than them or whatever, I still deserve to take up space. And sometimes an elbow is needed to do that.
0: It's so. a little shove. It's not violence. Just a little shove.
1: A little shove. Just a little shove. It's a little
0: nudge to make the space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jess, what about you?
2: Um, when I think about it, I think about this um being like unapologetic. I think that's something that I would like so much more in my life. I think I always feel like no matter how much work. That I do, the old patriarchy, old society always drags me back to like constantly saying sorry. I say sorry, like I know it's like it's very much like endemic in like women, I think, just constantly apologizing. Mm -hmm. So I would like to be more unapologetic and bolder. And I think that's what I think of when I think of being persistent and nasty.
0: I love it i love both of them also you've both got great hair and i know that
2: it's- i was thinking that all we all have fringes which
0: i did notice as well the fringe the fringes were um a look and i was enjoying all of it but you've both got such great hair and yeah. it's like total guilty feminist stuff i'm like we're you know we're talking about these really important things and i'm like oh God, yeah got great hair really
2: good hair <laughs> thanks really appreciate it as you're
0: giving your like brilliant answers to what persistent and nasty (laughs) means to
2: you
0: (laughs) I um we will link all information for help yourself in today's uh, show notes of the episode but once again you can see help yourself at summer hall in the demonstration room the 2nd of august to the 27th at 4 p.m except the 14th and the 21st when um These two wonderful people will be having a nap, a well deserved nap. (laughs) Uh, I really look forward to coming and seeing the show. Um, I'm really excited about it and uh, hopefully we can catch up afterwards. Definitely. In uh, the summer hall. Um, Well, until next time, lovely listeners, stay nasty. nasty. Oh, lovely. I actually did forget what we
2: were saying, I was like, (laughs) looks a bit panicked for a second there, and I was like...